You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. I think the best thing about being able to start is to be able to start in prayer. And um, when we had our staff meeting on, men, on sun, uh, Friday, September 1st was my first day. And the very first thing that we did was we had prayer. And so I'm grateful that uh, we can begin by prayer now as we commit to God the different things that we've just heard through announcements and through the needs of our own heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful. And we are thankful that you are a God of love and of grace and of mercy and of hope. Father, as we come before you now, we live in a world and we have lives that have needs. Father, our, our hearts and our desires for Houston. We pray that you would use this tragedy to bring forth hope into the lives of the people who have lost so much and who have been hurt so hard. We pray that whatever offerings we may give would be used by you to help others to know the love of Christ in tangible ways for food, for health, for safety, for rebuilding. And Father, we thank you that you are a God who does rebuild. You are a God who renovates. You are a God who revives. And so, Father, we come before you and we pray that in the things that are happening here, even in our own midst, the renovation of the church building, the revisions of the bylaws, the desire for revival in the She Conference. Lord, that all these things given unto you would give you glory and give you praise. Lord, we know that we are weak. We know that we are needy. We know that you are the one who takes care of all of our needs. And so, Father, we pray. We pray that today and, and all days, our hearts would be towards you. Lord, we pray that we would be made strong because we seek to give you glory. And even in our weakness, Lord, we pray that you would prove yourself the strength of our lives. And so, Lord, I pray for every heart here, every soul in this room, that even today, Lord, they would hear your voice and that your transforming power, your spirit, your love would encourage us all that we might walk nearer to you and closer to you, as you are always making all things new. We thank you, Lord, and we pray in Jesus' good name, his holy name, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. Well, I count today a miracle. Um, I was here uh, many years ago. I think it was about 19 years ago uh, when I was the last time that I was here. And when I left, I had no idea that I would ever return in this way. Um, many of you weren't even alive yet 19 years ago. Um, and, and some of you 
are not only alive back then, but you remember me. And, and you probably remember both good and bad, right? because that's in all of us. But over these years, I believe that God has been working in all of our lives. You know, this is not about me. I'm so happy to be back here. But this is not about me. It's all about God's kingdom. It's all about God's kingdom. Would you say that with me? It's all about God's kingdom. And from now on, for however long the Lord lets me serve with you and be your shepherd and be your friend, it's all about God's kingdom. But it's also about how you and I live in that kingdom. It's also about how we relate to the king, King Jesus, who sits on the throne. A lot has happened in 19 years in our lives. A lot of good and sometimes a lot of bad. But today is a day of newness. Today is a day when God wants to do something that's never been done before. Jesus says he makes all things new. And the first series of messages that are probably going to be over the next couple months are about all the ways God makes new things in life. And today we're going to look at the new covenant of what God does and the new love that God gives and the new ways that God works in our lives. We enjoy the idea of love. Carol and I enjoy doing premarital counseling with young couples. And one of the things that I tell all the young couples as they're getting married is you are going to create something brand new. This world has never seen. Maybe you came from bad backgrounds. Maybe you both came from difficult families. But you are going to have the opportunity to create something new, something better, something that will change the world. It's an opportunity to do something that's never happened before on planet Earth because you are two unique people. Today, we are in a similar opportunity. We are creating, through God's grace, something that is new. But we must work together. God wants to do a new work in our lives. And today, in this first message, we're going to see what is it? What is it that God wants to create? What is it that God wants to make that is new? And then how is this possible? How is it possible to have this new thing that God wants? And then lastly, we're going to understand, well, what does it mean to God and what does it mean to me? Well, the first thing then is, what new thing does God want to create? What new thing is it that God wants to create? He wants us to have the right direction in life. God wants us to have the right destination in our lives. Where are you going in your life? God wants to create something in your life as you are going on in it. But, but where is your life headed? What do you see as the end goal of your life? I like, um, and I need now, when I drive, I, I need to use uh, something like Google Maps to help me so that I find my way there. And it talks you through it, right? When you play it, you just push the right button and it starts telling you to turn left here and turn right there. Well, in, um, this is the map of, of uh, me coming from my home in Irvine, which is right down there, right? And this is us right here, all right? 218 West Jans Road. This is us right here. And, and when I put in that information, 
It gives me the direction of where I'm going to go to, but I need to know the final destination. If I don't put in any final destination, I'm not going to arrive there. We need to know what's God's final destination, because that's really important. Open with me your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21, the second to last book, a second to last chapter of the Bible. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. And I, I just want to say this. Um, I'm going to say it often, especially at the beginning, is please bring a, a Bible with you. And I, I prefer that you bring a real Bible. A real Bible is something that has paper. Um, and it, it's some, it, this is what a real Bible looks like, right? Um, now, I know a lot of you like to use uh, your phones, or uh, other devices, which is okay. Uh, but if you do, please don't um, check your email. Uh, don't, I mean, you know, I'd be cool if you Instagram does, but don't do that. Um, don't, just stay away from the other things that are on your phone. Just use the Bible app only or your note taker on it. Okay, but I highly encourage you to bring a real Bible because that's where there are real blessings. Um, but first of all, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Would you stand with me? And I will read it as we hear God's word. And you can follow whatever version you have, but I'm reading from the New International. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Amen. And you can say amen and be seated. What's God's goal? What's God's final destination? It's the new heaven. And it's the new earth. It's the big picture of where God wants us to be. And this word new, the Greek word is kainos. And what it means is freshness. Freshness. It's taking something that already is and transforming it and making it into something that is continually new. It is a transformation of something that God has already begun, but it is now new. There's already been an earth, but there's going to be a new earth. There's already a heaven, but there's going to be a new heaven. So it's something that's existing, but something that's going to be renewed and refreshed and revived and transformed. And what God's going to do in this new earth is create a home for you and me. Now, we've been moving into our new home here in Newbury Park. And it's taking a lot of work to move. It's, it's just been really hard moving all this stuff back and forth. But we look forward to finally unpacking and living in the home and enjoying it. God wants us to look forward to the home in heaven. We're not going to have to unpack. We're not going to have a lot of work up there to do when we get there to, to make the house look great. It's already going to be perfect. 
And what is going to be in this new home? Is in this new home, there's going to be no evil. There's no evil at all that's ever going to touch this home. We see this in verse 1, where it says, when the earth, the first earth, the old earth, had passed away. That means all the evil. All the things that we hate about this world, they're going to be gone. And there was no longer any sea. Now, we might think, well, what? you know, there's going to be no Pacific Ocean. There's going to be no Sea of Galilee. You know, is that what it means? No. What it means is the sea throughout the book of Revelation is the place where evil dwells. It's the place where the beast comes out of the sea. It means that there's going to be no more evil in the new heaven and the new earth. And then there's going to be the thing that we so look forward to, right? Is no more tears, right? No more death. No more mourning. No more crying. No more disease. No more pain. No more hurt. Now, that's what we all want. What a home to live in. But what I find to be so amazing and so wonderful, and maybe the thing that I most look forward to is this one, is that we are going to actually live out being with Emmanuel, God with us. We are going to live with God, and God is going to live with his people. Look again at verse 2 and 3. And John writes, I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. God's going to live with us. We're going to live in his home. We are his bride. The new Jerusalem is his bride. It is the church of Jesus. This is who we are. It's like in the premarital counseling when I said something new is going to happen when you create this union of husband and wife. God is doing something new here in our world. He's doing something new in CCCTO. He's doing something new in your life and he's doing something new in my life because we are his bride if we are believers in Jesus. And he is changing us even now as he prepares the new heaven and the new earth for the future. God is creating all things continually new. I love those words when Jesus says, I am making all things new. And this is what God wants. And this is what he creates. I have a question for you. This this is what God wants. But is this what you want? Do you want the new things that God can give I mean, what do you want that's new? I mean, we enjoy new things. Maybe you think, I want a new cell phone, right? Or I want some new, the really young ones here might want some new toys. Some of us may here may want some new clothes. We might want a new house, a new car. Um, maybe you want new friends, okay? Some of you may think, you know, I'd like to get a new wife or a new husband. No, sorry, those, that's not in there, all right? But you can get a, a renewed wife who's the same one. You can get a renewed husband who's the same one. You know, people are asking me, you know, what do you think it's going to be like when you go back to CCCTO, you know, when you first get there? And I said, well, you know what? I'm probably going to have a short honeymoon period. You know, pretty much every pastor, when he gets to the church, he has a honeymoon period. People sort of, you know, forget some of his mistakes or, or they give him the benefit of the doubt. And then after the honeymoon period's over, then real life begins. You know, and I said, well, you know what? I think, I think that my honeymoon period this time is going to be rather short. 
because we've already been married before. Right? And um, so you already know me in many ways, so this honeymoon's going to be short. But you know what I found out is marriage is far better than the honeymoon. I love my wife now far more than when I first got married. That's been 32 years. That the honeymoon was great, but the marriage is better. And where we are today is far better than where we were when we began. Because God was working in our lives. It doesn't mean we've had a perfect marriage. We certainly haven't had an easy one. But God is doing something new through the covenant that we made. Now, God wants to create this new in you and in me because we're married to him if we're his children. If we follow Jesus, we're the bride. What's God going to do? Turn with me in the Old Testament to Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Okay, it's, it's after Psalm, so it's after the middle part of the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. Okay. And while you're looking for it, Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, I'm going to read it. Okay. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Jeremiah was a prophet of God. He lived about 600 years before Jesus. And he was a prophet to the nation of Judah, the southern tribes, not to, and also then he was approaching to talking about Israel, the northern kingdom. And here Jeremiah was God's prophet warning them, warning them that judgment was coming because they had forsaken God. They had turned away from God. They had made pacts with evil nations. They were following pagan cults and God was disturbed by the fact that they were being disobedient. And in fact, so disobedient that it says they broke my covenant. They broke my covenant. But did God give up? God did not give up. Did God stop loving them? God did not stop loving them. Because God says, I'm going to give you a new covenant. I'm going to put a new covenant on their minds. And I'm going to write it on their hearts. And I will, I will be their God. And they will be my people. God has created within you and me an opportunity of this new life through a personal and intimate relationship with him called a covenant. And I know covenant could be a big word. Um, Tim Keller helps us with this. Tim Keller uh, is a pastor in New York and has written many books. And he says this, a covenant is a stunning blend of both law and love. It is a relationship much more intimate and loving than a mere legal contract could create, yet one more enduring and binding than personal affection could make. In other words, 
A covenant is something that God gives to us for the benefit of not just God, but of us. He doesn't do it out of just sentimentality. He does it out of a love that is disciplined for our good and for his glory. It's more than a legal contract, like I'm legally married to my wife, but our marriage is not built on law, it's built on love. And God wants us to know that our marriage to him is built on love. Dr. Keller continues and he says, this type of covenant, it is the very opposite of a consumer-vendor relationship in which connection is maintained only if it serves both parties' self-interest. A covenant, by contrast, is a solemn, permanent, whole self-giving of two parties to each other. Let me ask you, where do you see that in your life? Where do you see a relationship in your life where the other person is more concerned about you than themselves? Where the other person is so totally committed out of love, not because it's just the law, but because they care about you. Where is it that you know somebody who is self-giving, not self-taking? Where do you have a peace in your heart because you know that there is an unconditional love for you Where do you have a relationship in your life where you know that you could go to this person anytime and they will always give you the best advice they have and that they aren't going to ever steer you wrong, that they will help you to get to a good destination? That's what a covenant is. That's what God does. He says that there's a new heaven and a new earth and he's going to lead us to it. And he's going to put this covenant not on stones, like he gave to Moses, not on a scroll that could be lost or burnt or fall apart, but on our hearts. He's going to give us a fresh start, a new start, a good start. He's going to do this through a new covenant that fulfills the old covenant. So this new covenant is found in Hebrews in the New Testament. If you would turn with me to Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, we'll see this new covenant and how it's fulfilled. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 through 7. And I'll read it and you can follow along. But now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God, based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But God found fault with the people and said, what did God say? It is the exact same words that we just read in Jeremiah chapter 31. The whole of chapter 30, of verses 31 through 34 is quoted there by the author of Hebrews. That God wants us to know that the fulfillment of this promise that God made in Jeremiah's time is fulfilled in Jesus. He is the one who brings the new covenant. Jesus is the one who fulfills the old covenant. And how does he do it? He does it by his blood. This covenant was ratified with blood. Turn to the next chapter, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. 
Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set free, set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. The first covenant was the law of God, what we have in the Old Testament. But no one could keep that law. So God sent Jesus to fulfill all of the Old Covenant. Jesus kept all of the law in the Old Covenant. And then he died so that we could be forgiven of the fact that we broke those laws. And now we have a new covenant A new covenant that's not based upon keeping the law, but a new covenant that is based upon having faith in the grace of God, in what God gives to us. And so God makes it possible for you and for me to have anything that is new. If you want anything that is new, whether you want a new relationship with your spouse, whether you want a new relationship with your parents, whatever it is you want new, you want something new for direction of your life, you want new hope, you want new dreams, you want new passions, you want new faith, all of that begins right here in the new covenant of Jesus' blood. Everything new begins in this place, this foundation, this root of Jesus Christ. And we come to him. And so on this very first message of making all things new, it is established, and we will hear it again, that all things new always begins with the blood of Jesus. But what does that mean for you and for me? Well, just think about it. When we were looking at that map earlier, the Google map, we had the final destination, 218 West Jams Road. Our final destination is heaven, the new heaven and the new earth. But to get there, to get the directions, I also had to put in my starting location. If I didn't put in my starting location, it'd be the same thing as not putting in the ending one. I wouldn't be able to get there. It wouldn't be able to tell me where to go. I needed to acknowledge where I was. And the Bible tells us that to acknowledge where we are is to acknowledge our sin, is to acknowledge our need. Our starting location is right here at the foot of the cross where Jesus spilt his blood for you and for me. This is the new covenant. But Jesus came back alive. And he was freed from the power of death. And he frees us so that we can be free from sin. So that we can live the life and fulfill the promise that God has for us. So what does it mean to Jesus and for us? to have this new life that he offers to us through this new covenant, it means that you and I get to become like Jesus. I was telling Peter that even when I was here over 20 years ago, I knew what my life statement was. I knew what my purpose was in life, and that was to become more like Jesus. The goal of my life, and I believe the goal for every Christian should be this, to become more like Jesus. But the mission of my life, is to help other people to become like Jesus too. 
So the goal and the vision that I have for, for myself and for, for us is that we become more like Jesus and we help other people to do the exact same. How do we do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If you turn there in your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it says, therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is that new, that fresh creation. And the old is gone, the new has come. Every day is a new day. Every day, God's faithfulness is fresh and new. And what this means for us is a new opportunity today to deepen our relationship with God, to deepen our friendship with Jesus. This is what it means to be a new creation, is to continually be recreated in the likeness of Jesus. How does that happen as we walk with him, as we know him? It's not just about the reading of the Bible, but it's about how the Bible is a living word and comes into our spirit, comes into our soul, and God does his work in us. Yes, God forgives us. And I think so much of Christianity today, especially in the Western world, is just make sure you're forgiven. Well, that's important, but it doesn't start there. It begins there. Because when you're forgiven, you want to live a life that doesn't need to be so forgiven all the time after that. You want to live a life of repentance. You want to live a life of revival. You want to live a life of purpose. You want to live a life of relationship. You want to have an ongoing, deepening friendship with God. That's what we're all about here, is that God wants to improve our lives, how to become more like Jesus. People say that, um, I don't know, you can think about it. Do you think your mom and dad look alike? Um, people say that husbands and wives begin to look alike as the longer they get married. That's really bad news for my wife. Um, it's good news for me. All right. But the more we walk with our bridegroom, Jesus, the more the bride begins to look like her husband. See, I love, I love Carol after Jesus more than anybody else or anything else. And, and we've had a hard life. We haven't had it easy all the time. But we laugh and, and we cry. We have fun and, and we have anger. We walk together and sometimes we walk away from each other. We make mistakes. But we've learned to forgive each other. We've learned to walk in a new relationship so we don't have to keep forgiving each other because we don't keep making the exact same stupid mistakes each time. We learn from our mistakes so we can have a relationship. What would happen if I made a mistake and Carol wouldn't forgive me or she made a mistake and I wouldn't forgive her? Relationship would begin to die. And eventually it would be dead. And I think that happens in all friendships. When a relationship dies, something happens where you stopped forgiving the other person. You weren't willing to forgive them. And the friendship went away. But when you forgive, you come back together. 
And you have a friendship that builds on the love and on the life that God has in each of us. This is what the Bible calls knowing God and knowing each other. And so today, when we're about to take of communion, it's not a ritual. It doesn't make us better people. It certainly doesn't make us Christians. But what it does is it reminds us of our life, of our relationship, and of our friendship. And I know that in our church here, to take communion, we ask that first and foremost, that you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ, that you have a genuine faith commitment to Jesus. You've begun that new relationship. You have asked him for forgiveness. Yes, you have begun, but now we want you to be a friend of his. And Jesus says that all of his friends will obey him. And Jesus commanded us to be baptized. And so in our church here, to take communion, we ask that you not only have a faith relationship with Jesus, but you've expressed that in visible baptism. Now, if you haven't done either one of those two things, I encourage you to do those things. One you can do today, and that is to give your life, like it was said about a covenant. It's the giving of the whole self to the other. And I encourage you to do that, to give your whole self Jesus Christ, and then to be baptized. And I believe we're having baptisms in October, in November, okay? So, so we'll have a baptism class, and we'll tell you more about what baptism means. And you can, you can put that on your, um, uh, you can write that on the announcements I don't, that they want to be baptized. Okay. Or you can tell Pastor Peter, or you can tell me, you can tell JC, you can tell anybody, they'll tell us okay, that you want to be baptized to express your faith if you've never done it before. This is a great privilege for us to be part of what God is doing, making all things new. And God invites us into this. In Luke chapter 22, verse 20, Jesus says these words, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He has poured out his blood for you and for me. And this is the strength and this is the power and this is the hope and this is the promise of new things in Christ. And so I encourage you as we close in prayer to ask this question. I'll ask this question and you answer it. Will you give your whole self to Jesus Christ right now? Maybe you're already a Christian. But will you give your whole self to him today? Will you give your whole self to him tomorrow? To walk with him. And if you've never done that, will you give your whole self to Jesus now to walk with him as a true and faithful follower of him for the rest of your life? Let's pray.